Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adewumi again. This is a teaching for believers. If you are not a believer, you need to first give your life to Jesus Christ and be born again. And then all these exhortations will, mean, will make sense to you. Now I'm going to go to the direct personal letter that he wrote to Titus today. If you open your Bible with me, you go to the epistle of Paul, the apostle to Titus. And what is Apostle Paul telling Titus? Titus happens to be one of the followers of Apostle Paul as he ministered about. From chapter 1, I'm going to go through it verse by verse as we read and then I will explain or stop to explain some things. So I pray that the Lord will give you insight and understanding. And you see in this chapter of letters of Apostle Paul to Titus, he laid out how the pastors you appoint elders, how the pastors you appoint uh, deacons in the church. Those are deacons are helpers, people that are going to help in many ways. But the elders are more like people that are helping in, in doing even in doing some teaching because the titles being the pastor may not be the only one that we have to be teaching every every week they meet. The elders can also contribute and things like that is what he was uh, setting up and giving titles instruction on how which type of people to select to be elders so let's go through chapter chapter one of titles paul a servant of god and an apostle of jesus christ according to the faith of god's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which god that cannot lie promised before the world began but has in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of god our savior now this introduction of apostle paul to titus is more like after introducing himself not not really introducing not that he had titus does not know him but he always use some of these things to describe the insight that he has in the word of god so he said he, he said he's as an apostle of jesus christ that is apostle really means sent out one the lord jesus christ called apostle paul and sent him out to go and do the work when we say what about the pastor that had just gone to to a seminary or to a bible college and became pastors they can also still be sent if they have a call of the lord upon their life which they will know personally because God talks to us individually and God can still talk to individual person in vision and in dreams and if you look at an example of that how did, uh, how did the Lord chose Paul you can go back to the Acts of the Apostles you will see that his own uh, conversion was dramatic because he was a persecutor persecuting the Christians well of course you can see everybody is a sinner until they come to Christ. So he was a sinner persecuting the Christians. That was his major sin. And then when he was knocked down on the road to Damascus and he became a believer in Christ, the Lord told him that going to Damascus it shall be told you what you ought to what you need to do. Because the Lord is not going to be preaching to him on the road. So he went to Damascus. You can read all of those in the Acts of the Apostles. And then Ananias, one of the disciples, was told by the Lord to go and 
anoint to go and lay hand upon apostle Paul so that he may receive his sight and also you have to see what the Lord told Ananias that was how, how, God, how God called Paul that he was going to carry the message of the Lord Jesus Christ even before kings and he will suffer for it that was exactly what the Lord used as I will show him what great things he will suffer for me because he has been persecuting the believers making them suffer for being a believer because I will show him what he himself will suffer for me as I will let him be the one to carry the message of Jesus Christ to even before kings and he will suffer a lot and he did suffer because even the wherever he went the Jews that did not believe were trying to kill him for, for preaching this Jesus so that was part of the suffering that Apostle Paul suffered for the gospel now that was a call on his life so as, how, as the Lord was telling Ananias you can say God actually will be telling Paul also in the vision in the dreams how he has called him to do that so that you see is that how God calls people yes God talks to people in dreams and in visions and then Ananias went there and prayed for lay hands upon Apostle Paul and he became a believer and then that was not when they started preaching about it was just preaching among the believers but then when they when many years later many years later he was now in Antioch with Barnabas and they were fellowshipping in Antioch with Barnabas just like any Christian group worshipping the Lord and praising the Lord and then the Bible said the Holy Ghost spoke and said separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them now that prophecy that came that God has a work for Barnabas and Saul to go about preaching the gospel to the Gentiles it was not just the day that they, they were prophesied to by that group in Antioch that was not the day that they, they themselves had it they must have been hearing from God God normally will talk to individual person so they have had it Apostle already knew when he was converted that God said he was going to do was going to carry his message to the to the before kings before rulers how is it going to happen he may not know how it's going to transpire he's just waiting he's a believer now he's waiting the same way is how God called individual God can even reveal to you you are going to be doing this it doesn't mean you have to jump up tomorrow and start doing it you just wait upon the Lord the Lord will bring it to come to pass at the right time and that is what you see after several years after Apostle Paul has been converted you get to Acts of the Apostles chapter 13 and this is where the Holy Ghost called Barnabas and Saul let me read that verse 1 to 3 for you to hear it now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Nathan Manahem which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul so about several of them with Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said that's the prophecy separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work we are unto I have called them since I will call them I have called them so they already knew that there was a call of God upon their lives but they have not started jumping around going to do it they're just waiting fellowshipping until Holy Ghost spoke in this fashion but still said, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away so that was how Apostle Paul started going about with Barnabas to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and so when Apostle Paul is referring to this in Titus chapter 1 he was more or less 
reenacting what God has called him and said, uh, he's a, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, acknowledging of the truth which is after God. I'm now reading Titus chapter 1 again. He said, in hope of eternal life, this is everything that he's preaching. We are all in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But in due times has manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So Apostle Paul more or less summarized his ministry that God has committed to him to reveal the word of God to the Gentiles. But this thing is not something God just dreamed of just during that time. It is already before the foundation of the world. That's what Apostle Paul said. Everything that God is doing, he has planned it before even he created a world. That's what he said. Before the world began in verse 2. But in due time, he's manifesting the word through preaching. And Apostle Paul said it was committed unto him, which was the first, and he was preaching to the Gentiles. And it's committed to every one of us that are still echoing what Apostle Paul preached. After they were gone, we are still echoing what they have preached. Telling them that, telling people that Jesus is the only Savior. Telling people that Jesus is the Lord God Almighty and manifested in the flesh. So that is exactly what Apostle Paul said. It has been revealed to Apostle Paul and is telling the church and the church is still spreading it. So now he's going to write the letter to Titus, verse 4. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's his introduction or his greetings. Verse 5. Now he's going to get to the topic why he writes the letter. For this reason, that's what he means for this cause. For this cause left I thee in Crete. Crete is an island just uh, in the Mediterranean Sea. Where he said he left Titus to keep doing something. It's not to remind Titus why he was to stay there, what he was to do with the believers now, among the believers. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting. That the things that are needed to be done, things that are lacking. And ordain elders in every city as I had appointed him. So that's exactly why he says, this is the reason why I left you in Crete. You should ordain elders among the believers now. In every city where they have converts. And this is the qualification he is stating for Titus to use to decide who should be ordained as an elder. You have to remember in those in that time, well, just like we said, Titus is like a pastor that was left behind, but it's not just one city. There are so many cities in this nation called Crete, and they have gone to so many of those places, and some people have been converted maybe 10 here, 15 there, 30 there, and they are now forming small, small churches in those places. And then who is going to be pastoring all these churches? Titus can be going from city to city to city to preach, to teach, to exhort them. So he said, appoint elders among the people that have been something, people that are like this and are like that, appointed to be doing the work over there. So that anytime you go there, you can live minister once in a while. But they have to know enough of the word of God to be teaching one another and exhorting one another. So this is the foundation of the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the believers gathering. So here he said, this is what he said will be qualification, number six. If any be blameless, so you have to now say, well, how are you going to know if they are blameless? Well, by asking 
questions by asking the people that are in the congregation they will know who, who is uh, fit to be elder it's not saying they should be the oldest person see it's not using age as elder it's not using age age has its own party that's just age in the world you are 50 years old you are older than somebody that's just in their 20s but he's talking about being elderly in the ministry they are going to be leading the group and most of these people they have different age range there will be some teenagers in, in the midst there will be some 20s there will be some there will be some 50s but there's something that the fellow that is a 50 year old must be the one that should be an elder just because of his age yeah it's an elder because of his age but in the in teaching the word of god he may not be an elder because he may not know much about the gospel because uh, when did he get converted we, it may be young, this younger generation, younger teenager, or even 20 year old that converted this 20, 50 year old person. So he doesn't suddenly become elder and try to teach the Bible until he learns. He can also learn. So age also gives him some wisdom, you have to remember. But that's wisdom of the world, not the wisdom of the Word of God. So the Word of God has to be taught by the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So let's go ahead and see what he's giving us qualifications for these elders. He says, if any be blameless, also, the husband of one wife is laying that foundation that he doesn't want because in that generation there many of them have many wives before the gospel came to them it was a caution a man will have three four five wives as much as they can afford and an apostle Paul is saying for the body of christ it should be one man one wife but if they already have so many wives that's fine they, they come with all their wives into the congregation but when they are selecting them to be elder he said only select those that are husband of one wife that's really what he says he doesn't say kick the other ones out no those who are selected to be elders to be teaching that will be like example this is what the church of christ should be an example so why do you think christ wants us to be that one wife? when in the old testament they all having so many wives well the Lord Jesus christ said god made them male and female from the beginning if god wanted adam to have four or five wives he should have he could have created four or five wives for adam he only created one and so that's why Christ said in, when he was teaching, he made them male and female, one man, one woman. But the woman beings went into the other direction. Even all through the days of Moses, Moses himself had several wives, not so, remember? He had a one wife from Midian. But when he came back, he said, during the, when they were in the wilderness, he married the, an Ethiopian. So that becomes two, not so. So not to talk of King David. So but that was that generation. But when Christ came, he told them, God made them male and female, not male, not one male and several females for one man. No, it's male and female. So Apostle Paul is more or less laying that foundation as in the body of Christ, in the church of God, it should be one, the man that has one wife is the one that should be appointed for elders. But yes, the world has been before like that, before before Christianity came. So they they are welcome to bring all their wives and all of them be saved. It's only saying that when you want to elect elders pastors they should select those that are examples of what christ wants which is the one that only have one wife for now that does not mean the one that have so many wives should go and kick the rest of the wives out and that's what some other churches have been trying to impose on their members that oh you have to go and divorce all these other ones and stay with this first one and so those are not what apostle paul is saying you get to that in the first corinthians he lay it out and that's still effective up to today, it's still applicable. What Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, when he was dealing with that story of man and wife, he said, if anyone has a, 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 
and uh, another, and uh, his, uh, another, a wife or an husband that is not unbeliever, he said to that, and he also said those who uh, who are separate from their husband, he always talk about that. So it's the same. It's applicable when it comes to woman, woman, because I've had this question posted to me many times, even when I was still in Africa. Some of the people that were converted, and by the time they were converted, they already have two, three wives from their culture or from their former religion. I remember the story of a of a of a northern northern believer. He was a northerner. He was a Muslim, and he had about three wives before the gospel came to him. And he gave his life to Christ with all his wives, they all came to Christ. But the people that they were fellowshiping, we say, Oh, no, no, you have to separate yourself from all these women and get to leave the first one. And the man didn't know what to do. And he came to me as a minister of the gospel to ask. And I said, No, 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 that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible doesn't say you divorce these women and get rid of them because, you know. The Bible has said you are you are in sin, but now you are saved. Once you are saved, all the former sins have passed away. The people say, "Wait, he's living in adultery." That is not what God is saying. These are now are his responsibility. The children that were born, they are his responsibility. You can't separate yourself from these children and say they are no more. Or from the women, you have to take care of them. Oh, but don't sleep with them. Well, all of those are. Uh, Ah, okay, if they want to say, well, don't sleep with them, you have to only sleep with this one. How, the Bible said that you have to give them due benevolence. But you have to only give to one. All of those are not what Christ is talking about. That's why we, we are not imposing that upon anybody. Apostle Paul simply says, when you are selecting elders, let it be those that have one wife. And that was really why the, this uh, northern, northern Nigerian brother came to me and said, they say he couldn't be an elder because he already have so many wives. He was come and say, yeah, that is what the scripture says. You have to abide by that. You don't have to be an elder. Well, that's a responsibility you are trying to add to yourself. Not so. You already have two, three wives. That's enough responsibility for you in the physical world. So don't try to, don't try to grab, want to grab the responsibility of the church also. Because it's a serious responsibility. Because that's one of the reasons people don't realize that it's a responsibility. They just think it's a status quo. Oh, I am the elder. See? It's another responsibility. We already have the responsibility. You have somebody that has two or three jobs, and now they want to. They are looking for who should do this one. You want to do it also. Something will be lacking somewhere. You can't do everything. So people are not realizing that that is part of the the wisdom behind it. That is part of the wisdom behind it. People think, well, they are not allowing me to be an elder because I have so many wives. The, that's how Paul is saying, laying it down. That is really what he, the Lord wants. And we should be humble enough to just accept it and just be humble enough to stay where the Lord God put us. And don't try to force all these other women out of the house. If they have given their life to Christ, they are also your sisters in Christ. The question is, should you be sleeping with the other, with other wives? Yes, you should. They are still your they see, your, they see your wives. If you have been married before you came to Christ, you have been married to them. Now, it is a different story. If you are a believer, you are not allowed to go and be married in, outside Christ. If you follow the picture, if you are not married yet, you should only marry one. And the Bible says you are not to separate from that one. Because that's a story, that's a, a different teaching when it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So people try to justify themselves and say, well, this woman is not a believer. So they want to separate and go and look for another one. If you are a believer, marry 
a believer. Now, if you are married before you come to Christ and then your wife didn't want to come or you, you are the woman and your husband didn't want to come to Christ, Apostle Paul have another instruction for those people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, go and read it. He says, if your spouse is not a believer but decides to stay with you, that is, he or she is not leaving you, I mean, though your religion does not bother him or her, then you are not allowed to divorce the woman or throw her or out or throw him or get out of the family. Your children will be sanctified by the Lord. Your wife, husband will be sanctified by the Lord. Your wife, bride will be sanctified by, by, the, by you being a believer. But he said, if they, but if the unbeliever decided to quit and say, I don't like this, your religion, I'm out of here, he said, let him quit or let her quit. That you see that in First Corinthians chapter 7. Those are what not what I'm teaching, but you see, I'm digressing to that because it comes to play when people ask this question. Oh, Apostle Paul is saying only the one that is husband or one wife should be the one that should be uh, appointed as elders. And I've explained that. But you have to go back to read First Corinthians verse 7, and that is applicable in this situation. But I'm going to read this thing I was quoting in First Corinthians chapter 7. If any brother has a wife that believes not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which has an husband that believes not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So that's what I'm saying. But verse 14 says, But if the unbelieving husband is sanctified, he said, You know, he said, The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. Verse 15 is what I'm going to. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. So that verse 15 is what I'm trying to point out here that he has laid it out. You have to go to that first conjecture chapter 7 prayerfully and get the message of what he was talking about. That is, if the unbeliever in the in the in the in the union decide and say, I don't like this religion and decide to quit. Whether is a man or a woman, say let him or her quit. He said the, the, the believer is not in bondage. He said, What well, well, can that believer go and remarry then? According to Apostle Paul, he said, You are not in bondage to that relationship if the unbelieving quits. But with time, the fellow may want to go and remarry also. So then you still have to pray about that. So that is really what uh, Apostle Paul said. Because some people have written questions to me and said, If this fellow that is an unbeliever, uh, separated, will this man remarry? And if he remarry, he's still not doing this. Uh, when they were sinners, every sin is a sin. But when you come to Christ, all the former sins are forgotten. And Christ will wash them away. That's what I told the other people. They are now a new creature, or the brother or the sister is now a new creature in Christ Jesus. So the old sin of, of when they marry to an ungodly person, an unbelieving person, that they are both ungodly and unbeliever. They are, they are sinners. But when all of them come to Christ, it's a new Christian. If the other one didn't want to come to Christ and separated, you can't tag him or her, the believer, you can't tag that believer with that bondage. That's what Apostle said. A brother is not in bondage in such a case. Which means she will be, he or she will be free to remarry when he's now in Christ, but he has to marry in the Lord. That's what I, 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 I believe he's talking about there. However, many people have used that excuse and that excuse God is seeing the heart. I've seen some people use that excuse and say after they were in the faith, 
and they are quarreling and fighting and they wanted to separate and they accuse one another that even though they are coming to the same church this woman was not really saved she was not really a believer or she was not really a believer and so that's why they are separating they are trying to put the unbeliever unbelieving status on their spouse and say she was not a believer or he is not a believer and now they are thinking they should be able to separate because apostle Paul said they, they should be able to separate if they, if they, they say it's the unbeliever that should depart so if you are the one that is trying to kick the unbeliever away then you are violating the word of God so, so you see the word of God must be prayerfully followed otherwise you will be offending, you will be willfully offending very important now let's continue with the apostle Paul's letter to Titus I went too much into the one man, one wife uh, explanation. Verse 7 of Titus chapter 1, verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Now, let me go back to verse 6 because this verse 6 is very important. He said, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, that's one qualification. He also said, Having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Now you can see that even the children can disqualify a person from being uh, appointed as elder. The children, not a little, little toddler. I'm talking of children that are grown up, that are unruly. That's why I say you must have faithful children that are not accused of riot or unruly. So children can disqualify their parents. That's why you better raise up your children in the way that they should go. So that when they are old, they will not depart from it and they will not be a, a, a shame on you. That's what Apostle Paul is saying right there. Because children also can disqualify, the type of children they have can disqualify them from being appointed as elders. Verse 7 says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not no striker, not giving to filthy lucre, that's greediness or trying to get bribe, that's filthy. Lucre, lucre is more like lucrative, trying to get something for himself. That is it's a filthy lucre. That's it. Said, but it must be a lover of hospitality, as it taking care of visitors. A lover of good men, he must be sober, just, holy, temperate. Temperate means self-control. Verse 9 says, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Who are the gainsayers? Anyone that is trying to just say things for their own benefit, is just for their own gain, or teaching something for their own gain, or they only teach what they will profit from. You can see example of that people preach prosperity, prosperity, but you see, it look like uh, they are bringing some Bible verses that you can be prosperous, but when you get to the bottom of what they are preaching, they are actually preaching that prosperity for their own gain. Because they are saying you have to sow seed to their ministry. You have to bring money to their church. You pay your title that God can bless you. But see, they are preaching prosperity, but you see, not really, not really for the gain of the fellow they are preaching to. It's for their own gain. That's one, why they are kissing many of these mega churches as if they are just siphoning money from the public, from the people by preaching prosperity yes god wants us to be prosperous but they can become gainsayers because they are actually not preaching for the benefit of the people that are listening to them they are preaching for their own benefit to get the tithes and the offering coming to them and that is not going to be 
sitting well with the Lord. You see, God is watching the heart, your motive, your motive. What is the motive behind what you are teaching? You see, for gain saying, you're saying it so that you can get the, the money, you can get the tithe, you can get the offering. That is gain saying. And I just wanted, I more digress into that, that this is what taking note of. He said that you, you must be able to, with sound doctrine, exhort those who are, who are, who are going to gain sin. I will continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.